0: Why don't we pray before we get started and just allow and allow ourselves to be susceptible to the word of God this morning. Hallelujah. I'm so grateful, Lord Jesus, for your power. I'm grateful for your spirit. I'm grateful for what you're doing in this house, God. I ask that you continue, God, to to pursue me, Jesus, as we continue to pursue you, God, through your word, through the means of studying your word, God. Lord, let rhema revelation, let rhema revelation come into our minds, God, to give us a logos or a your understanding of what the word really means, God. I want to receive in my spirit. I want to receive in my mind and in my soul, God, your word, so I can be strengthened and guided by your spirit and by your word, God, by nothing else, Lord. Reduce the flesh, Lord Jesus, and allow ourselves to crucify ourselves daily. God, I thank you for this body. I thank you for what you're doing in this church, Lord. Allow us, God, to move in your, in your purpose and in your calling today. Anoint, anoint this word today, God. Anoint this, these, these doctrines that are being taught, God, these principles, these foundations, Lord Jesus. Bless it, God, in Jesus' name. Praise God. You may be seated. Did you will you record? You good? Okay. Praise God. Amen. The last 2 months again we've been going over the foundations. We've been going over the elemental things of the word of God. And when we grab a hold or we grab an understanding for our own selves of what the Word of God teaches as a foundation for us to follow. It gives us an ability to grow. It gives us an ability to move on into perfection as we grow in Christ. Amen. We no longer have a need for milk. We no longer have a need for the substances that we once had to partake of in order to to help us build. Amen. When I I think of my son Samuel, he had to take the stages of drinking milk in order to grow his bones, in order to grow his immune system, in order to grow his body. But it was through the interest of taking part in... uh, other means of nourishment other than milk, Samuel was able to start taking part in eating meat. And as Samuel started eating meat, amen, he would begin to choke. He would begin to not be able to consume it, but he had to learn how to chew on that meat, amen. And before you know it, Samuel begins to start consuming that meat, Not only is he chomping it up, but he's completely obliterating it inside of his mouth, able for him to consume it and go into his body as nourishment. Amen. And that is what we have to be able to do with the Word of God. We have to be able, we have to have a desire in the first place. Just like Samuel needed to uh, start partaking of the nourishment of something else, Other than milk, he had to begin to have a desire for that. His body yearned for it. Our body yearns for an understanding of the Word of God because not only is the Word of God powerful and sharp and quick, as the the Bible says, but it's so powerful that it goes down to the very marrow of our bones. Amen. And it takes partaking of something other than milk to be able to grow into an, a place and move into a place where now we're growing and uh, being uh, exalted by the Spirit of God and being lifted up to a place, amen, where we're able to uh, use the growth, where we're able to use the, the teachings, amen, or the foundation that we've been built on to save another soul, Amen. My son, I have to raise him up. I have to give him nutrition. It takes time. It takes money. It takes sacrifice of my time to pour into my child for him to know the ways of the Lord, for him to understand what it's like to serve God. Amen. I have to show him. And as I show him, amen, he takes the steps. He takes the the initiative for himself to grow. Amen. And that should be the way that we look at our relationship with Jesus Christ. That should be the way that we look at Jesus as we allow ourselves to grow and as we allow ourselves to consume his word to let it grow inside of our hearts. Amen. I want to read Hebrews 6, 1 through 2 once again so he can have a base understanding of what these principles are. Amen. Hebrews 6, 1 and 2 says Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God and of the doctrine of baptisms and of the laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead. And of eternal judgment. Praise God. We have gone through the first uh, three steps, the first three points or foundations of our relationship with Jesus. Amen. It starts with repentance. Amen. It goes to, from our repentance, death to ourselves. We're now looking towards Jesus Christ as an answer. We're looking toward Him in faith. Amen. And after we look towards Him in faith, amen, we take part in the doctrine of baptisms. We uh, partake of the water, we partake of the Spirit, amen. And, but what's after? Last week we talked about uh, our born-again experience and what happens after that. We learned that we have to walk in the power of which is the deutymus of God, the, the miraculous strength, the miraculous empowerment that God gives us to perform, not to perform, but to move and walk for His kingdom. Amen. If we do not have power, we don't have the ability to walk in the direction of Christ. But once we get the Holy Ghost, once God abides inside of us, we now have the miraculous power to walk towards God. And where did we learn about the Spirit? The Spirit of God in the Hebrew is the word ruach, which is God leading us by His hand. But not only just leading us by His hand, but having a great smelling savor. Amen. Dragging us along and saying, Here you go, son. I got something that still smells good. I have something that tastes good for you. I have something that's good for your soul, something good for your mind. Amen. And that is the grace and the love of God by which that he drags us along and says, here you go, son. I have a purpose for you. I have a plan for you. Amen. But as we walk in that, God wants to send us into a different direction. Amen. He wants to send us somewhere into a dimension that we've never been before. Amen. But it takes having the Holy Ghost. It takes having the Spirit of God inside of you and able to operate in a different dimension. Repentance, faith towards God, doctrine of baptisms are a means by which that we have to participate in ourselves. But the doctrine of the laying on of hands is something that God imparts into us. The laying on of hands is something that is not in our control. It's once we get baptized, once we're born again, we're now moving in a direction, amen, where we're no longer in the means of having to do stuff ourselves, but God is starting to impart Things into your mind. God is starting to impart things into your spirit. Again, He gave you power. He gave you power, what? To do His will and to walk forward. We're no longer bound under the dominion of sin. We're no longer bound by our own choices anymore in the means of our flesh. But now we're walking towards Jesus Christ and God is moving the church into a dimension where now we're no longer focused on what we have to partake in, but what God is going to be imparting into us. That's where God is taking not only us in this teaching, but as a body. He is moving us into a different dimension. Amen. What is the laying on of hands? Can somebody read this for me? The laying on of hands, ministry through the means of spiritual gifts and impartation. Amen. As we learned, the laying on of hands follows baptism of water and spirit. Amen. The thing with understanding what the foundations of, uh, of Christ are is that the scripture affirms the order by which Hebrews 6 and 2 expresses these foundations. Amen. So we see you have to be born again and to enter into the kingdom of God. So uh, repentance has to be first, faith towards God second, and faith leads us to baptism. Amen. So as we partake in the order by which God gives us these foundations to build our relationship with Jesus Christ on, He gives us an order. Amen. So we see that faith follows baptism. Repentance follows faith. Amen. So what is the laying on of hands? We can look at the Old Testament as a means of giving us an understanding uh, as we could use the uh, Bible interpretation tool of first use. Amen. First use is a means by... Uh, We have a word and it's used, or we have a phrase or something that happens in the Bible, and it generally the first time it ever happens is a means by which we can use that as interpretation to see what that means for the rest of the Bible, the rest of the Word of God. Amen. Deuteronomy 34 and verse 9 says, And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the Spirit and of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands upon him. And the children of Israel hearkened unto him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. One of the reasons to lay hands on somebody is so that they would be endowed with a spiritual gift. We see that happening here with Moses and Joshua. God called Joshua to be the man of God after Moses. But there had to be something that took place in order for that mantle or the, uh, the spiritual endowment and the anointing that was on Moses to transfer over to Joshua. And what was that means? It was the laying on of hands that caused the spiritual gifts to move. He he was endowed with a spiritual gift. Joshua was endowed with a spiritual gift to lead Israel out of the desert, but into the promised land. Through the laying on of hands, we see here, not only was it a gift that he was given, but it was wisdom. It was the gift of wisdom that Moses passed down to Joshua through the laying on of hands. Amen. Uh, Let's go to the New Testament. Matthew 9 and verse 18 says, While he spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is now even dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. Through the laying on of hands she was raised from the dead. Some miraculous power was transferred in that moment. It wasn't the man of God. It wasn't how great he was. But it was his obedience in faith, believing that God would raise uh, that, that girl from the dead is what enables miracles to take place. There is something special when somebody is living right for Christ, believes and understands what the power is through the laying on of hands, so much so that God in His mercy and His grace raises that person from the dead. Amen. I have seen multiple miracles in my life without the laying on of hands, but I have seen miraculous things happen with the laying on of hands. Amen. Acts 8 and 18 says, And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given, and he offered them money to get this gift. Through the laying on of hands, the Holy Ghost was given. Amen. It's not the man laying his hands on them what gives the Holy Ghost, but God is doing the power through the obedience of the man of God. And that is how they receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. 1 Timothy 4 and 14 says, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which, uh, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. So through the laying on of hands, a gift was given by God to Timothy. But not only does the laying on of hands give gifts Not only does it raise people from the dead, not only does it perform miracles, but there is a transference of anointing. There is a transference of offices, amen, and things and uh, places for that person to go. When an apostolic man of God who is anointed and has uh, a specific calling on their life, amen, a pastor, uh, a great man of God that has to say, you know what? Somebody else has to take the reins someday. Somebody else has to uh, take my place someday. So I have to anoint this young man of God with the ability and the, uh, the anointing to take this, uh, this body and give him an apostolic anointing through the means of the laying on of his hands. Amen. A gift of ministry can be imparted through the man of God. Amen. Amen. Laying on on of hands speaks of the works that are done in the New Testament after the baptism of water in spirit. Amen. Once you uh, receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, once you have been baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, let me tell you this, God gives you power. We learned that last week. But not only that, he gives us empowerment to go out and do miracles. He gives us the power to do the miraculous. Amen? The miraculous is not only for the man of God in your life or the youth pastor or the assistant pastor or a couple ministers in the church. If we look at the context by which in Matthew 16 and 17, the Bible says that, and these signs shall follow them that believe, this is for everybody who believes you have power let me tell you this there's misconceptions and a lack of understanding within the church today that this is just for specific people let me tell you this, God has gives you the ability to cast out demons. That's for everybody. Amen. It's for everybody to pray for somebody that they receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. These are gifts. These are things that are imparted through us by the laying on of hands. Amen. But we have to be in the right mind. We have to be 100% right with Jesus Christ because when you lay a hand on somebody, either you're going to be imparting something into them or they're going to impart something into you spiritual gifts do not prove how good you are they prove how good he is amen. they edify the church and they manifest how and what God does through his people and the laying on of the hands are the things which God does through us amen can somebody read this uh, this slide for me this third slide. Spiritual gifts enables the church to operate in a healthy manner. It gives order, encourages the an unbeliever, and edifies the church. Amen. Amen. The Bible gives us proofs for all of these things. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12. I'm going to tell you this today. The spiritual gifts are not dead. Yeah. There's no way... The spiritual gifts are done today. There there is a group of of Christians who will teach you that God no longer works in the miraculous anymore. It's this term called cessationism. But let me tell you this. I have experienced multiple miracles in my life. I've been healed. I, I, I actually broke my wrist or fractured my wrist right when I started working in tile. And there, I went to Vancouver Church on a Sunday night, and, and I believed God that he would heal my wrist. And, and that service, they actually preached and told a story of a man who was healed from AIDS. They told a story of a man who his back was broken, and God completely healed his back. And I said, well... Why can't you heal my wrist, God? Like how how little is that compared to, to completely transforming somebody's blood and, and completely transforming somebody's spine? You can just make my my hand go back together. And my simple faith is what led to God miraculously healing my wrist. I no longer had the need for wearing a splint on my hand anymore. And God and nobody touched me, nobody laid a hand on me. Amen. But the faith of somebody can enable you to be healed by the mercy and grace of God. That is what heals us. It's not, it's not some uh, mystical force. It's not kundalini. It's not none of this new age uh, garbage that is presented as a means of healing. Amen. But it's alone by the spirit and the power of Jesus Christ, moving through a believer who has some simple faith that God is going to heal them, is what enables God to move. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 7 says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles, carried away with these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts. But the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but the same God, which worketh all in all, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. These gifts are given so the body of Christ can operate. Not only operate, but operate in a means that's healthy for the body. There has to be different administrations of gifts operating within the church. Amen. There has to be diversities of gifts moving within the church. And what's it for? It's to edify the body. It gives power to the body of Christ. Amen. As it says here, it encourages the unbeliever. It edifies the church but it gives order to the church. When spiritual gifts are moving, there is a means by which we all work together, tuning in to what the Holy Ghost is trying to do. When we allow ourselves to set ourselves aside and pray and earnestly ask God, Lord, give me gifts. Lord, let me operate in these things, God, that you have placed in me. These these weird and and, uh, uh, unnatural uh, tendencies, God. Allow me to operate in the gifts, Lord Jesus. And allow me to move in a means by which the body can operate healthily through the gifts that you have given me, God. That has to be our prayer. That has to be the heart of what we're doing in this place, amen, because I believe when we all get a hold of that understanding, we as a church, as a body of Christ, are going to move into a dimension by which God is going to change us as a body forever. Genesis 25 and 6 says, But unto the sons of the concubines, which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts and sent them away from Isaac, his son, while he yet lived eastward unto the east country. Abraham gave his sons gifts, but they weren't a means of dowry or it wasn't a means of, of a present, amen, but Abraham was passing unto his sons his blessing. His anointing, everything that Abraham had, he had to give it to his sons. Amen. And God wants to give you gifts. He has things that he wants to pass down to you. Amen. God wants to give you specific gifts to operate in his church. Amen. It's not just for the the leaders or the ministry. Amen. But it's for everybody. Just as the Holy Ghost is for everybody. There are gifts, spiritual gifts, that are for everybody in the church. Amen. As we look at this scripture, we can understand the use of gifts in the Hebrew. Amen. If we use the first rule, uh, understanding again, this is the first time the word gift is used in the Bible. Amen. And gifts are bestowed from Abraham to his sons. If we look at Genesis 34 and 12, it says, And Shechem said unto her father and unto her brethren, Let me find grace in your eyes, and what ye shall say unto me, I will give. Ask me never never so much dowry and gift, and I will give according as ye shall say unto me. But give me the damsel to wife. Shechem was the man who wanted to marry Dina, which was Jacob's daughter, amen. And he offered the father a dowry or a gift in order to take his daughter in marriage, amen. If we look at the word gift, it's matan. And if we go back to uh, the origin of what the word comes from, amen, the first letter is mem, and the second letter is tau in the Hebrew, and that word together makes the word death in Hebrew, which is meth. And meth in, is death in reality. <laughs> Amen. It's not just a, uh, a cliche or a play on words. That just happens to be the uh, Hebrew word for death. Amen. Meth uh, is a terrible thing and has consumed our communities. Nun is a picture of a seed. Or speaks life or action. Amen. So, God's picture of a gift, the word matan, includes death and life. So, what does this have to do with gifts? It takes death to yourself, but it also takes life in the Holy Ghost for what? To operate in a gift. The only way we're able as a church to operate in the spiritual realm within the means that God gives us, these gifts, we have to die. But we also have to walk in the power of life and power in the Holy Ghost. Amen. This is the only way that you're going to have gifts imparted unto you. Amen. And as as it's been a revolving Uh, thing lately in the Holy Ghost or a vein that we cannot be on the fence we cannot be living in sin and trying to serve God I mean there is so much more there's so much more to serving God than living in sin and trying to sweep it under the rug and, and just say oh well I've tried my best God has so much more for you He wants to bestow you with gifts. He wants to bestow you with His Spirit. Amen. He wants to resurrect you in new life. He wants to make you a new creature in Christ. You can can live for God. You can be baptized, receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. You can be baptized in water. But once you are in sin again, you have to become a new creature once again. It takes repentance once again to get back to the place, amen, where you can have death and life in your body in order to operate in the means and the calling that God has for you after you have been repentant once again. Romans 12 and verse... 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Can somebody read this for me, please? Living sacrifice. We're to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Living represents noon, or life. Sacrifice represents meth, or death. A living sacrifice is not only somebody who is just taking up their cross daily in the, in the means of Uh, the cliche, amen, but there has to be life and death as we present our minds, as we present ourselves to Jesus Christ. The scripture says that's our reasonable service. It's something that we do. Why? Out of the cause of the conviction, out of the understanding, out of the, the place in our hearts and in our minds by which we understand that we need Him that we need Jesus Christ in our life. Amen. Death and life are related. Amen. If you're going to be acceptable unto God and used in His service, we have to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. And the ability to operate in the spiritual gifts are for those who are willing to live for Christ. It takes death, but it takes the Bible way to be born again, to be able to take part in his kingdom. And once we are his bride, amen, he wants to give us gifts. I've got married before, and I get all these gifts and, and uh, all these things, and I didn't ask for that. But, God, but these people, in their grace and mercy for the, the marriage of me and my wife, gave us gifts. And as you're born again, amen, you're taking part as the bride to the groom, which is Jesus Christ, and He gives you gifts. I gave my wife gifts, she gave me gifts, and things that we've never experienced before together. Amen. So it takes being one with God by being a living sacrifice, giving everything that we have. Amen. Through life and death, you're with that person forever. But through life and death, in your relationship with Jesus Christ, is the means by which you have the ability to truly be with Him. To truly be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Not conforming ourselves to the means of this world or our culture or the TV or, or whatever it may be. When we allow ourselves to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. When we allow ourselves to be transformed by the mind of God within us. Holiness is so much more important than just being uh, set aside and coming out of sin. But holiness is the means by being used in the service of God. By being used in the gifts, amen. uh, By being used in the gifts of the Spirit, amen. After being baptized and after being filled with the Holy Ghost. To be used by God, I have to present myself as a living dead person. Dead to this world, dead dead to the culture, but alive in Christ, alive in Him. That's how we operate. Mark 16, 15 through 18 says, And He said unto them, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, and he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. These gifts are for everyone in the church. Does everyone get all the gifts? No. There are very few who do, and their names are apostles. Apostles. But God has specific gifts for you. God has a specific calling for you in your life. If you are, if you're confused about what God has you to do, we just learned it takes dying to ourselves, presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice unto God, and that is what enables us to operate in His, uh, in the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. If you're struggling with the calling of God in your life, if you're struggling understanding what God has, what your purpose is, just get in line with him first and just start walking. Just start walking with Jesus every single day and he's going to guide our footsteps. He's going to lead us by his spirit. Amen. He's going to lead us by his hand and the great smelling savor of his spirit. Can somebody read this for me, please? grace of God is our actions inside of his fence. Being used in a gift, we learned that word was matan, is based on dying, but then life comes out of the death. Dying, which we learned was meth, dying out, is when, (laughs) this is powerful, meth is the two letters, tau and mem. So when we die out, is when the cross and the water come together. Life is what comes out of the other side of death. When we're buried in baptism, we die in the waters of baptism. We're now buried in, In the water, amen. We're buried in, and our sins are remitted as soon as we come up out of that water, amen. John 12 and 24 says, Except a seed fall to the ground and die, it cannot bring forth fruit. If you're not dead, there's no way we can operate in the Spirit. If we're not dead to our flesh, if we're not dead to our will, if we're not dead to ourselves... There's no way to operate in the gifts. Amen. Can somebody read slide six for me? Death by water baptism plus life by spirit baptism equals authority to operate in spiritual gifts. Romans six and four says, Therefore we are buried with him in baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. We see water baptism and death as well as getting out of that water, walking in newness of life. The word gift speaks of death and life, but the life happens after the death. You have to die in order to move on. Amen. 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 says, For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into that one Spirit. We see this verse, it's about the Holy Ghost. But under the water... Things are dead, and when something goes under the water, it totally changes the the structure of something. When something goes under the water, it's now brought into a formation that's usable. If we think of clay, once you get some water on that hard clay, it now has the ability to be shaped, molded, into a form where it's usable. Once you, get the water of, once you get the baptisms of water and of spirit, it's all about being used by God after the fact. Everything that we do now in our life, after we've been water baptized and received the Holy Ghost, is about operating in the call of God for our lives. That's what it's about. That's what we have to look forward to. If we're not focused on doing the work of God in our lives, We have some priorities that we got to switch around. We have some perspectives that need to be torn down. We have some things in our lives that we have to change in order to operate. Can somebody read this for me, please? Grace plus faith plus spirit equals means of operating in your portion of gifts. You cannot have one without the other. Amen. 1 Corinthians 12, 7-11 says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given the Spirit of the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another of working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of these tongues, but all these worketh that one, and the self same Spirit, dividing to every man severally, as he wills. If we look at that word manifestation in the Greek, it literally means, or speaks of the uh, the exhibition or the giving. Of the spirit, Amen. The root, uh, the very root word for that word manifestation, was the word uh, "phos," which we learned when we studied about the spirit was the root word of uh, of the uh, the word spirit in the Greek. So, manifestation and the spirit are very similar. You can't have one without the other because the root is the same. The spirit is the very thing that's giving these nine gifts. If you don't have the Spirit, you don't have authority to operate. The manifestation of the Spirit through us constitutes a gift. And how do you know that, that somebody has a gift? Or that, how, how do you know that there's a manifestation of a gift in somebody? There's, you can see it. There's, uh, like a kid, displays a talent in something they've never done in their whole life. Or they exhibit a gift, like running or playing basketball. That's how we know that somebody has a gift, is they, they operate in it. But they might not realize they have something special. They have something special in their life. Uh, I'll give you a story from my own life, where I know that God had given me a specific gift in something. Uh, this was probably Christmas of 2005, my little brother had received a guitar for Christmas. At that time in my life, I was, uh, this was obviously way before Christ, but I wanted to, uh, I really liked rock and roll music, and I wanted to play guitar. I wanted to be like the rock stars. That's what I wanted to do. I had long hair, and, uh, <laughs> I was probably only uh, eight years old. So, you know, I was really interested in, in in having a place for myself. I always felt alienated. I always felt like I was uh, uh, never accepted by everybody that I was around. And I had specific gifts and areas that I never really understood why. But now later, when I'm serving God, I understand. But my brother... Received a gift. He received a guitar for Christmas. And as soon as he opened that gift. I offered him everything that I had. Just to get his gift. That my brother got for Christmas. I said you can have my Playstation. You can have all this stuff. I just want to play that guitar. I've never played guitar in my whole life. As soon as my little brother lets me play it. I pick it up. And I start to play jingle bells, and I've never played guitar in my whole entire life. And my mom's like, oh, God, for you're a prodigy. You, you, you're, you have all these skills and all this stuff. But I had the gifting in me. But my brother and me working it out together to give me the instrument to be able to operate in that gifting is what enabled me to succeed in the talents that God had given me. I used my gift to please my flesh, and I'm gonna be honest about that. I used that gift to lift up myself, but one day God decided to reach out to me and use my gifts for his purpose instead of my purpose. No longer was I walking toward death in my own gifts, but now walking towards him in life everlasting. We all have gifts. We all have things that, uh, that we're very good at. We all have talents. We all have these, these uh, exhibitive or uh, ways that we show talent within our lives. If you've never had the opportunity to explore the talents and the gifts that God has given you, just, just start doing stuff. Start helping around the church. Start just doing stuff. And, and, and what will manifest out of that is something that God can use for His glory, something that God can use to edify the church. Amen. God had given me musical talent. I play uh, about every instrument you can think of. Not through, uh, I, of course, I spent years practicing all that stuff, but it wasn't just something that uh, I, I like had to, to browbeat myself for and like I mean, practice hours and hours a day. Um, I did that when I did competitions for drums and stuff, but it was just something that naturally came to me because I had the gifting. I had the talent within me. Amen. And that wasn't my own, but that was something God gave me. If we use that analogy and understanding for how spiritual gifts work, amen, I uh, just will share it to myself to be vo- vulnerable with you people. God had given me the gift of discerning of spirits. I never understood why as a child I would, uh, and prophecy as well, but I would begin to complete people's thoughts. I would begin to, uh, I would see angels and demons, and, and I would see all these things, and I didn't, I was never spiritual when I was growing up. I was the one who actually never wanted to, to raise my hands, and uh, when my mom would take me to church, I would always be uh, hesitant to try to entertain God, or I would always try to do all these things, but it was just natural for me to see these things. I didn't see it as weird. It was just was like, well, I bet everybody else has this too. I bet all these other people uh, finish other people's sentences, think what they think, and, and uh, exude these things. But all the way down the road, I see that God has given me spiritual gifts to operate in in the church. To be able, amen, to, to help somebody as they're struggling, amen, with, with demonic spirits, with, with things that are going on in their life that I don't know about. But amen, we can sit there and cry together in the presence of God because He has revealed unto me to be able to help them, amen. And that's what the spiritual gifts are for. It's not to edify me. I'm not up here to to get a platform. I'm not up here to to be able to go and preach the big conferences someday, but I want to help you. I want to help you to be able to move this church, to be able to help this body maneuver into the place where God wants us to be. Amen. I wish I had more time, but uh, next week we will be going into... uh, A deep dive of every spiritual gift there is, amen. It's word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, diverse kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. These are the nine gifts that God gives to the body for it to be edified, amen. I'm not sure which order I'm going to go through yet, but I think I'm going to start with tongues and interpretation because we can link it to uh, our personal uh, prayer time with God in tongues, Amen. So we can get rid of the misconceptions of uh, speak, or, or praying in the Holy Ghost versus tongues and interpretation. Yeah. Stuff like that. I think that would be great for this body. So that those who have that gift can freely operate in it. Amen. Why don't we stand and, and pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word, God. I thank you for your spiritual gifts, Lord Jesus. I thank you, God, for your impartation. I thank you for death and life in you, God. God, that you would raise us up, Lord, as a body to operate in the means, God, that you have us to operate in, Lord, as a, as a, as a mode of, of edifying the church, God. Use us, Jesus. I, I earnestly contend, God, for the best gifts in my life to help edify the body. Help us, God, in Jesus' name. Praise God, you may be dismissed.